Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short, and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. Thanks to those of you watching on Twitch this evening, and for those of you listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Wednesday evening, 24 hours removed from the MLB All-Star Game, right in the middle of the quietest couple of days of of sports for the year, essentially. Um, And with that little lull here, we figured it makes sense to do a second half preview episode. The big trade candidates, storylines to watch, players to keep an eye on in fantasy leagues, current odds for playoffs, individual awards, a bunch more. How are you enjoying the All-Star break, Scott? Great. Uh, It's Look, I don't want a long break from baseball, but I don't mind a couple of days just to catch our breath calibrate, take stock of what we've seen and get ready for the second half. And it's going to be a corker because we have so many interesting potential trade candidates at the deadline. There's a couple of gigantic names we have to talk about, which I'm sure we'll get into. And just one other thing I wanted to mention, we talked about this a little bit right before we hit go on this show. I think this might go down as the, and this is going to sound like hyperbole. Maybe I'm caught up in the moment. I don't care. I think this might be the most important baseball season in like 25 years. People talked about, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, the home run chase of 98. It brought a lot of fans back because the strike had left such bad taste in so many people's mouths. I actually wasn't as gripped to it as some people because I thought the home runs just got a little bit silly. And we found out afterwards that there's a lot of enhancement there and people have different Mm -hmm. feelings on, on the whole steroid era. I'm not here to unpack that. But what I see this year, they make a bunch of rule changes. I think baseball needed a shot in the arm. And I think the pitch clock is great. I think the, Rules that have encouraged people to steal bases. I don't know if the size of the bases helped that much, but the pickoff throw rule certainly helps. And teams are running like crazy. Ronald Acuna is having a crazy stolen base season. I think the Reds stole, you know, 10 bases during the All-Star break. You know, I could talk to Ellie Dela Cruz for an hour if you want to. And there's just baseballs get a, a time where there's so many uber-talented guys. You know, Dela Cruz is the latest one. But the, the Braves roster is just stacked. And in Baltimore, it feels like they're calling up a stud every other week. And yep. th- there's so many fun young teams and young, talented players that the AL Rookie of the Year race is wide open. We'll get into that a little bit. Corbin Carroll is, is doing things that a rookie has never done, hitting plateau. And we're going to have some seasons, right, where Acuna is going to go some places people have never gone. Carroll may go some places a rookie has never gone. I, I can only imagine what Dale Cruz might have in a partial season, and I wish he had come up earlier. But mm-hmm. – I go back to my original statement. I think this is the most important baseball season in 25 years, and I'm, I'm having a blast, and I cannot wait to see what's in wait, what's in store for us the next few months. 
Right, and you know Shohei Otani doing what he's doing offensively. Did even mention Otani, right? <laughs> and on the mound, but you know we'll talk a little bit more about about him later. It's just a shame that Mike Trout got hurt. Uh, you know the chances of the Angels making the postseason probably not super realistic at this point. And then you want Otani on that biggest stage, you know what I mean? A, a year where he's going into free agency and might be a six hundred million dollar player in free agency. It's it's very possible. Be gross, be grossly underpaid. What what a deal the Angels got on that first contract. And also, you know, about Trout, and I, I hate to stick a pin in some of the enthusiasm I just offered. I heard on the I, I thought this myself, and then, and then I heard Joe Posnanski say it on his podcast, and I, it's going to sound like I'm taking it from him, but I, I just want to you know, mention that I was listening to it. They were talking about how Trout might age in the second half of his career, and they were fearful that maybe he might have like a Ken Griffey Jr. second half of his career, which was the comp I was kind of thinking of. Yeah, I worry that Mike Trout – I mean, look, it, it's easy to say like maybe we've already seen the best of Trout. Maybe he'll never be an MVP again. But I'm just concerned that he might have that Griffey Jr. second half where it's like it's actually a, kind of frustrating to watch him play. He's got a football player body. That was a point Posnanski was making. I'm, I'm almost wondering if Mike Trout now – look, his last injury was a fluke. He got hit by a pitch on the hand. That could happen to anybody. But I almost wonder if he's like an NFL running back where he's been through the ringer. He plays so freaking hard. He, he's got that really bulky body. We've seen him shut down the running game in recent seasons. Yeah. I think Mike Trout is still a heck of a baseball player, but for a long time – if somebody said to you, who's the best player in baseball, of course it was Mike Trout. You wouldn't say anybody else. And I feel like he's not even close to that conversation anymore. And I'm, yeah. windows don't stay open as long as we think. That's really kind of more of a football motif where the careers are incredibly short. I, I Any football player should get every dollar he can get because you can your career can be over you know, any, any snap of the ball. But I'm just afraid that Mike Trout might have that Ken Griffey Jr. second half of his career. And it makes me sad. I mean, he's sitting on three playoff games. He signed to the big contract. It's funny how the Angels haven't run too well with some of these contracts. Josh Hamilton, Albert Pujols. I wonder if the Trout contract will ultimately maybe not age that well, although they had to do it. And, again, they got so much surplus value out of the early years of Trout, just like they got unbelievable value from the Otani contract. Right. What? A, what's a, just a strange place for the Angels to be in right now. I feel like they're kind of screwed no matter what they do. I think if right. they hold Otani, it's going to be like, well, you're not going to sign him. You're not going to get him. You didn't get anything for him. And right. if they trade him, it's going to be like, oh, well, now he'll never come back. I, maybe that gives you, that flushes away any chance to re-sign him. I, I mean, right. in theory, if you could ever convince him, look, re-sign with us, we'll trade you for a bunch of stuff, and then we'll bring you back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish they could somehow make that work. That's not going to happen. I don't think anybody yeah. thinks Otani's going to be on the Angels next year because he, he's sick of not contending. So I don't know. What do you, are the Angels in a no-win position right now? They are, but I I find it very, and we'll get into this part because I think I want to focus on more of the realistic trade candidates later. I don't think Otani's going to get traded. Me neither. Um, I think he's a gate attraction, even if the Angels are not in contention. Um, And with Trout hurt for the next six weeks, I mean, hammock bone surgery type, type situations, usually it's like six to eight weeks, somewhere in there. So we're talking through early September, like, they need that gate attraction in the ballpark. Yes, Otani, I would say more than likely will leave via free agency somewhere, whether it's the Dodgers or Yankees or Mets or whatever it is. But they need that gate attraction for now. They do get a draft pick, you know, get draft pick compensation if sure. he leaves. So it's not like they're leaving, he's leaving and they're getting nothing. Um, so, but it's such a unique situation. I was actually thinking about that trout, the trout like. For so long, it was like automatic, like, yeah, Trout's the best player in baseball. I was sitting around thinking about that the other day, where it's, it's just so amazing that 
Trout is on the same team as Otani now, and it almost feels quaint to say that Trout is the best player in baseball because Otani is just so unique. It's like an absurd comparison to compare Otani to any other player, any other player, because he does—he truly does it all, and he's arguably one of the top hitters in baseball, one of the top pitchers in baseball. I, I love when top. somebody can be described as one of one, and Shohei Otani yeah. is one of one. You can't compare him to anybody, and it does just to put a kind of a period on the Trout conversation. It's just weird to see he was Batman for so many years, and now he's Robin. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, and, and it just goes to show, like, baseball is not a two-man band, and, and no. we know that, you know, and Angels have showed that. Um, well, let's start out here talking about some of these second-half storylines, more of them. We already mentioned Luisa Rise and his chase for making a run at 400. We both said the other day we don't think he gets close, uh, but there's plenty of other interesting stuff to go around here, starting with Ronald Lacuna Jr. Uh, he's sitting on 21 home runs. 41 stolen bases through 89 games. That puts him on pace for high 30s as far as home runs. He did really turn it on uh, as we got uh, late in the second or late in the first half here as far as power. Nobody's even had a 30 homer 70 steal season before. So even to get to that would be pretty amazing. 40 40, there's still a chance he could do that. There's only been four members of that club in history Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez. Alfonso Soriano, we talked about that recently, one of our trivia episodes. So what do you think? 40-40, is it, is it, could it happen? I mean, he already has the 40 steals. He just needs 19 home runs. But 30-70 would still be pretty amazing, too. Yeah, he's going to end up with a season nobody's done before. I, I, I come back to what Eric Davis did early in his career in the 80s. 27 home runs and 80 stolen bases in his first full season. That was 132 games. The, the crime of Eric Davis is he could never play a full season. He was always playing 130 games, 115 games, 90 games. He missed some full seasons. Acuna, I think one thing about Acuna is that he wants to run, and he's still at an age where it makes sense, and it's a high percentage thing. He gets the extra volume of batting leadoff. If he's within – hailing distance of a 40-80 season. I think he's. I think the steals, he can get them if he wants them. It's just a matter of you can't – you can try harder to steal bases and steal bases. You can't really try harder to hit home runs and hit home runs. It doesn't really work that way. I think right. at the end of the season, he's going to have He's gonna have the first 35-80 season. We've ever, I think nobody's ever done that, and he'll be the first. And, and obviously, the no doubt, barring an injury, and God, I hope that doesn't happen to Ronald Acuna Jr., he will be the unfair, the winner of the lottery who gets the number one pick will in three seconds pick Ronald Acuna Jr. in every drive. I'm stating the obvious. I, I, yeah. the, the debate will be who do you take at the two spot, and do you feel cheated that you pick second and you don't get a chance at Acuna? It's, a, it's another reason to have a salary cap league where every player can be on your roster. Right. But Acuna, in a year where there's been so many stars, and, and the only thing that's keeping Otani away from the number one pick is that in Yahoo we split him hitter and pitcher. Obviously, if, if you got all of Otani, he'd be in a class of of his own, but I don't know who the number two pick is next year. It's got it's going to be Acuna at one, and I, I'm putting him down for 3580. Yeah, so you look at sort of the comps in history. You mentioned Eric Davis. Uh, Ricky Henderson had a 28 homer, 87 steal season in 1986. Henderson had 24 homers, 80 steals in 1985. Joe Morgan actually had a couple of seasons in that ballpark too, uh, as far as power speed combo. But otherwise, just not much close. Like like we were saying, if he goes 30 homer, 30 homer, 70 steal, that's never been done. 
Uh, he's already within spitting distance of a season we've never seen before. Uh, so we, we got to appreciate that even if he doesn't get the 40 home runs. I think. Yeah, Ricky should have had more than one MVP. I, I don't mean to to ruffle the feathers of Joe Sheehan, who was a huge Don Mattingly fan, but Ricky Henderson was the best player in the American League in 1985. It's just the writers worshipped at the altar of the RBI back then. Not that Mattingly wasn't right. tremendous, but Henderson was more valuable and was oddly slightly underrated his entire career. And Joe Morgan, it snuck up on everybody because, you know, Pete Rose was the face of the Reds and Johnny Bench was a multiple MVP winner. Joe Morgan was, by the end of the seven, is accepted as the best player in baseball for that decade. And a guy who wasn't appreciated in Houston, he walked a lot. People didn't understand how badly the Astrodome just held down offense. And yeah. I, I don't miss that place, man. I, it was just like a wine cellar. You couldn't see anything. I don't know how anybody ever hit <laughs> Nolan Ryan in that place. But um, so when you're tossing around names like Joe Morgan, the acknowledged is probably the best second baseman in history, and Ricky Henderson, the best leadoff hitter in history. You know, Acuna's in fast company, and you know you talked about Otani earlier. I mean, a lot of the awards. We'll get to the awards later. A lot of the awards are going to be interesting. The only thing that stops Acuna or Otani from winning MVP is an injury. In fact, I even think Otani. We don't think he's going to get traded. Even if he did get traded out of the American League, I still think he would win the MVP. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is the ironic part of that uh, for sure. Interesting part about the stolen base numbers here. So no player has reached 70 steals since Jacoby Ellsbury in 2009. Um, so, I mean, that really puts in perspective how the game changed in that, you know, interim, you know, 12, 13 years. Uh, speed just completely fell off the map. Uh, nobody's even stolen 50 bases since 2017. So Crazy. Uh, he's just nine stolen bases away from that uh, as it stands right now. So Shohei Otani, he does currently lead the majors in home runs right now. He's 32 home runs through 89 games, 15 home runs in June as two so far in this uh, brief time we've had in July. Any chance that Otani can get to 60? He's currently on pace, I believe, in like the high 50s. Um, I, I would say no, but... I'm feeling 53, 54, 55, something like that. I, you just wonder... At what point does the weight of everything he's asked to do in Anaheim, plus just the the trade deadline hanging over his head, the contract stuff hanging over his head, the same questions he's asked city to city, and maybe playing out the string with an Angels team in September that isn't really in contention? I just wonder if that takes a little bit of a toll on Otani, but he's going to get he's going to sail past fifty, and, and as we talked about, he's already the MVP is already on his mantle, and I don't have any Otani anywhere. I just you have to appreciate when somebody does something, when somebody turns into a player that you can't compare to anybody else, it's just, you have to appreciate it. And I never, yeah. it never bothers me. Like if I'm in a head to head game and Otani's crushing me, it's like, well, you know, it's just fun to see the best players doing their thing. And I right. wish all the guys were healthy. Again, I wish judge was healthy. I wish DeGrom was healthy. I wish Trout was healthy, but Otani is no, no comparison. One of one, you know, so generous. And I'm just trying to ignore, uh, to in, in, ignore it. I'm trying to appreciate it. And I can't help – I know this may be a discussion for a different day. I can't help but shake the idea that he's going to be a Dodger next year. It just seems like mm-hmm. – that, that's where stars go to not have to deal with being recognized every waking minute. You're, you're in a fishbowl so much. It's uh, it's a very multicultural city. They certainly have the money. And, man, what a, what a roster. They would. Just think of the top half would, of their lineup if they put Otani in there. I mean, I, I mean I they, I, they need the pitching too. <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> um, Matt, maybe the boost for you know pitching wise, maybe more than than hitting, which is crazy to say. But if you could, if you could uh, handicap it right now, 
Who do you think leads the majors in home runs? You said Otani is leading right now. He has 32. Matt Olson has 29. Mookie Betts power explosion recently has 26. Tied with Pete Alonso and uh, Luis Robert. So that's your top five at the moment. I'm still betting on Alonso. I'm, I'm sorry, on Olson. Uh, on Matt Olson, who we picked I'm before on, the I'm season. Yep. Um, insulated in that Atlanta lineup where there's, there's people on base for him, there's people who protect him in the lineup. And I, I, the only thing I worry about a little bit, worry maybe too strong of a word, with the Braves is I just think they're going to clinch so early it's going to turn into a case of how much load management comes in. They've actually run their starters into the ground. They've almost all yeah. of them have played just about every day <clears throat> yeah. to the point that maybe it's been a little bit reckless. At some point they're going to pull back from that because yeah. they're going to want to get ready for October and they're going to want these guys to be fresh. But I think Olsen's going to sail past 50 home runs too. We'll cert- I, I certainly like him. It's easy to say this, that he'll lead the national league. He already has a three homer lead. Yeah. But I, I actually think he'll run down Otani as well. I, I, if I had to guess right now, I think Olsen will too, and that will make me very happy. But <laughs> um, let's talk about Spencer Strider too, because if you look at his numbers at the moment, he's actually on pace for maybe threatening 300 strikeouts. I agree. He won't get there. I, I, the Braves' lead is so huge, and he's never thrown this many innings before. The Braves expect him to maybe throw 30 innings in the postseason if they go all the way. I don't think he's going to come close to that, but 275, that could be a reach for for Spencer Strider here. And I I think Verlander got to 300 a couple of years ago, but like that's not really a stratosphere we see many pitchers get these days. That's a huge number the way today's game is, where they're happy for most guys to go six or seven innings. And as you said, there will be certainly some, maybe a skip start here or there. They'll pull back from him a little bit because he's so important to where they go. In October, I, I would like to do this over again, man. I, it wasn't that I was down on Strider before the season, but I, I knew he was a two-pitch guy, and yeah. I just wasn't as strident. Um, not to make a play on his name, but I, I, wasn't, I just wasn't as fully committed to, to yeah. Strider as some other people were. And I felt like every draft room I was in, there's one person who was like, I, I have to have Spencer Strider. I believe yeah. in him. I think he's the best pitcher in the National League. I didn't price him that way, so I don't have any of him. And man, he, he's just unfair. He just, it's it's so fun to watch a pitch too. He's got a swagger yeah. to him. He's, he's just a little bounce in his step when he strikes guys out. I, I love this Atlanta team. I would love to see them go to the World Series. I know with the expanded playoffs, we talk more and more every year about what a crapshoot it is and how in a short series anybody can win. I think this Atlanta team is special, and I want to see them in the World Series again. I I, I want to see Acuna on a big stage. I want to, not that they haven't had it before, but I want to see Strider on a big stage. I love the depth of this lineup. Mm-hmm. And as you said, 275 strikeout, even like 250 feels like 300 used to feel, right? Yeah. Um, the, you know, get somebody getting over 200 is a big deal. And also very quietly, I want to mention Kevin Gaussman, who has 153 strikeouts yeah. in the American League, which is an awfully big number. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, comfortably ahead of Pablo Lopez. I didn't realize he had 138 strikeouts. He's having a really nice season. And Blake Snell has been terrific of late. He's been great. He, he's, yeah. he's, he and Otani are next up on the strikeout list. I, I don't think Snell's – it feels like he has a lot of run in like six weeks. Uh, he mm-hmm. got off to a really poor start, yep. as did almost everybody in the Padres, it feels like. But I think he can get back into the Cy Young chase. But – yeah, Spencer Strider, man, I got that one wrong. One of my biggest regrets of the draft season, and he's going to end the season. I, I, I think that the strikeout number he gets this year may end up being like the, the biggest strikeout number we see for like a seven or eight year period, or maybe even longer than that, because the game has just changed so much. Right. What do you think of the, the big kind of news this past couple of days? The Yankees let go of their hitting coach Dylan mm-hmm. Lawson. They hired Sean Casey, uh, who has no 
coaching experience, but of course we know him well from uh, MLB Network, all the, you know, the demos that he does with hitting. He obviously knows, uh, he knows his stuff. There's no doubt about that. Joins his former teammate, Aaron Boone, uh, manager of the Yankees there. Um, I don't know if this will really matter. <laughs> I just think it just comes down to the talent. And minus Aaron Judge, I mean, this, this lineup is not good. They basically hit 200 since uh, Aaron Judge ran into that fence in Dodger Stadium on June 3rd. Um, and for the season, the Yankees are hitting 230 with a 300 on base percentage. It's not not good at all. We don't know when Aaron Judge will be back. I don't think that Sean Casey thing's really going to matter. I think the, t- the talent just has to play. You know, Giancarlo Stanton needs to be himself. DJ LeMay, needs to be himself. Gleyber Torres, et cetera. And maybe Judge comes back, at, you know, who knows, in August at some point. It's just really hard to pinpoint where that is. I think it's hard. It's, it's, I think the Yankees have a better chance of making the postseason than the Mets, for sure. But beyond that, I, they're a total mystery to me. Yeah, you know, I get why they made the, the batting coach change, but because it, it's a card you can play. But you, you as you said, you got to have to have talent. And yeah, I'm looking at the fantasy ranks of the Yankees hitters to this point. Labor Torres has been a top 100 player. Judge is just outside the top 100 because he's missed some time, but he's obviously been very good. And Anthony Rizzo squeaks into the top 200. Yep. Other than that, they do not have a top 250 player on their yep. offense. Nobody, which is just shocking to me. I mean, obviously Stanton can't seem to stay healthy. He's barely batting 200. Uh, DJ LeMay, who all of a sudden looks like he's 39 years old. Kiner Falef is kind of a, a fringe player. I think there's a lot of optimism for Anthony Volpe before the season. He's hitting 216. He's got some category juice, so he's had some fantasy value. But, you know, you hit 216, that even in today's game where average isn't that important, that still sticks out like a sore thumb. I think they've kind of missed Aaron Bader, who's missed a lot of time. I, I think yeah. he would have helped this offense. Yeah. At times, Willie really Calhoun's in the lineup. Yeah. This is not... This is not the Yankees I'm used to. In fact, I feel very comfortable saying not only are they not going to make the playoffs and neither New York team will make the playoffs. And our friend Zinke was talking about that today in his Yahoo piece. Mm-hmm. I think the Yankees are the worst team, albeit in the strongest division in baseball. I think they're clearly the fifth best team here. And I, I think Brian Cashman won't be looking to say, okay, let's let's push. And, and unless they can get some real giveaway thing for one of their quasi prospects, I, I think they might just have to circle the wagons and say, we don't have the horses this year. Maybe it's just better if Judge doesn't come back. Let's just have him come back yeah. next year healthy. Let's not rush him back and, and have him fall into a, a more significant injury pattern for next year. Yeah. I think the Yankees are basically on life support at this point. Yeah, I mean, if Judge isn't going to be back until like uh, – who? I mean, we really don't know. But if he's not back until like late August, like I, I just don't see the Yankees hanging around here. I, I just don't see it happening. Carlos Rodon is is back, and that's a, that's a huge positive. But mm-hmm. – this lineup minus Judge is, is very pedestrian. I don't think the Yankees are going to trade anyone because they, they just really don't have a lot to trade. Even if they were in that position, I don't think they would admit defeat there and, and trade anyone anyway. I think there's a lot of teams in that bucket too who will not uh, sort of admit defeat, especially after investing so much money. And I'm talking the Padres, talking the Mets. There are like pie in the sky possibilities with with each of those teams. We'll get into the trade stuff now. With the Mets, yeah, you know, Max Scherzer's there, Justin Verlander, but there's no trade clauses, there's monster contracts. It would have to be like the perfect scenario with the team is like, yeah, we'll take on a bit of this contract. For this to really work, I just don't see it. 
The Padres, like, they're still within spitting distance. Something could happen there. Josh Hader, Blake Snell, Juan Soto, I guess. But I just don't see that as realistic. I think with the Mets, if, if they do trade some pieces here, we're talking about pretty much anyone from their bullpen. You know, David Robertson, Adam Adebino, Brooks Raley, Tommy Pham, we talked about previous week, Mark Canna. Guys like that, probably more likely to go. I think the fascinating team to watch as we uh, move through July here is the Cardinals. What what do they do here? They have obvious trade candidates in their rotation, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty. But did they go the extra mile here and trade a Nolan Arenado or a Paul Goldschmidt or a Tyler O'Neill? I could see it maybe happening. They have no shot. Arenado, Goldschmidt, they're they're in the second half of their careers. You know, what are the Cardinals next year? I I can't answer that question. I, I don't think the rotation's built to win for next season as it stands right now. So is this the time to trade one of those guys? You know, it's funny. The, the one rookie who I did get a little bit aggressive with in draft season was Jordan Walker. And I don't want to like slam Jordan Walker, but he, he, he's had, you know, he's been okay. Um, he was underwhelming enough that he actually gets sent down initially. And not that he was playing all that poorly. And I realized he is a positional change and all that. It's like, why can't I have shoved all my chips in on Yoshida or Corbin Carroll or somebody like that? And Jordan Walker yep. was the guy I ended up with uh, taking in, in single digit rounds in a couple of drafts. And you know, it hasn't really worked out. Although I still think he'll be a good player. Yeah. What odds could you have gotten before the season that the Yankees, Mets, Cardinals, and Padres would all miss the playoffs? And right now, the Mets aren't going to make the playoffs. The Cardinals aren't no. going to make the playoffs. I think the Yankees are on the outside looking in. And I think even though the Padres lineup, at least the Padres can look at their roster every day and feel good about it. So maybe they can tell themselves a story that they'll catch fire. I think the other three teams, the Mets and Cardinals, no chance. And the Yankees, I don't see the Yankees with that lineup with Judge several weeks away, if at all, a comeback coming. I think those teams are all dead. I agree. The Cardinals, this would be a really interesting time to get proactive. You know, Goldschmidt's in his mid-30s. Arenado, no longer quite the de- one of my favorite defensive players. For a long time, you said to me, who's your favorite defensive player to watch? I'd just say, oh, Nolan Arenado. The metrics aren't as good this year. It shows that he's come off a little bit. I haven't watched enough of Cardinals games to say if that passes the eye test or not. I, I love watching good third-base play at, at that Tigers Blue Jays game I was at. Chapman made a couple of great plays. It's just like, it's just so much fun to watch a third any defensive player who can pick it, but Chapman and Arenado, I've always gotten a kick out of. I would love to see Goldschmidt get another run with a contender and his yeah. bat would play anywhere, especially with the universal DH. So even if he went to a team that had a first baseman, they could make it fit. Although he's always been a decent defender, he still runs the base as well too. So I'd like to see the Cardinals proactive. The other team that's fascinating to me, another team that I, I got wrong before the season, I thought the White Sox, I gave everybody a mulligan Okay, so Luis Robert, that was the, the, the move to go. Or Robert, I, that was the, that was the way to play it. But and I guess Lucas Giolito has been okay. Lance Lynn, yep. major tease. You, know, you see him on the right day, he looks unhittable, but there's been a lot of wrong days for him. Eli Jimenez yep. can't stay healthy. I don't know what's wrong with Tim Anderson. There's a team that needs to detonate it. And Giolito, of course, yep. his contract is up. I'll, I'll be actually very surprised if Giolito isn't traded. Yes. And in a market where there isn't much good pitching to be had, and he's a guy who's young enough, who's still you know a – a number one, number two for a playoff contender, certainly in the top three. But, I mean, he's somebody who you can pitch early in a playoff series as one of your horses. Uh, I, I think he, the day he moves may be the biggest day of the trade deadline for me. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that Tony La Russa was the answer there at the White Sox, but clearly it wasn't just La Russa that was the problem. Like, just something is wrong with this mix with the White Sox for sure. Uh, and, you know, we'll see them start to rebuild this roster uh, at the trade deadline, I'm sure. And the crosstown with the Cubs, they have interesting trade candidates mm-hmm. too. Uh, Giolito, Marcus Stroman, I think those are the two most realistic big names to be traded as far as starting pitchers. Uh, leading into the deadline here, Stroman has had a, a really good first half. We talked a little bit about him uh, in our episode the other day. I think probably we see a little bit of regression in the second half, more natural than something saying I don't believe in him. But he's had a good defense behind him, one of the best infield defenses in baseball, which helps his cause because he keeps the ball on the ground, has that look if he gets traded elsewhere. We'll see. Cody Bellinger, I think an obvious trade candidate, uh, signed a one-year deal with the Cubs, has had a nice rebound this season, was interrupted a little bit by injury, but I think – he could make sense for any number of contenders out there. Kyle Hendricks has has looked pretty decent since coming back. He's another possibility. Jan Gomes there uh, has had a really good year behind the plate for the Cubs. So I think those the Cubs have a lot of potential pieces who could be moved. Uh, moving on, I'd say the Tigers uh, teams are looking starting pitching. Eduardo Rodriguez, he's just back. He hurt his finger. It was out for a little while. Uh, he wasn't great uh, in his return, but you know, I think as he uh, shakes the rust a little bit, I think he'll group his stock going into the trade deadline. Michael Lorenzen was the Tigers all-star representative. How much I believe in him, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm sure more than likely he will be treated, traded leading in the deadline as well. Yeah, Lorenzen, I mean, you know, the ERA is a little bit over four, but the whip's in a good place. He, he would make sense as just a – he's good enough to be in a contender's top five. He'll be your four or five pitcher. Yeah, but you can definitely do that. The problem with the Tigers, they just don't have that many guys who would be interesting to contenders. A healthy Rodriguez certainly would would be. And it's interesting, you know, their closer Alex Alex Lang has not pitched well lately. Actually, Jason Foley has been their best relief yeah. pitcher. We see generally we see a lot of relief pitchers move to the deadline. So I wonder if a team, if the Tigers went to somebody and tried to pedal Lang for the saves, I wonder if somebody would be like, well, wait a minute, Jason Foley's better than Lang. We'd rather have him. Right. It's kind of sneaky how good the White Sox, the White Sox, the Cubs rotation is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Stroman's been good all year. I think Justin Seals had a season that hasn't gotten anywhere near its due. 2.56 ERA, a whip of 1.06, 11 quality starts. Azalea's turned into a decent closer. They have Hendricks back, who's been good. Drew Smiley occasionally has been useful. I, I think, he, again, he could be somebody's five for a contending team. Uh, Julian Merriweather is, has had some moments in the bullpen. He hasn't pitched well lately. Some of these guys are going to be interesting to a contender. And again, they have to ask themselves, like, is Kyle Hendricks part of our next contending team? Uh, you talked about Bellinger on a one-year deal. Maybe he could get moved. The guy I can't figure out for the Cubs, I, I was all in on Seiya Suzuki. I know he's been hurt this year, but yeah. I thought he'd take a step forward this year. It hasn't happened. I, I'm actually in some leagues where I'm thinking about dropping him. And there isn't a lot on the waiver wire. I just Maybe it's just a frustration drop, and maybe you can talk me out of it. But um, the Cubs do have – when teams are looking for pitching, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of pitching out in the market to the point that I think like Lorenzen might be interesting to some teams. I think the Cubs can actually say, okay, we have some choices for you. Which of these three or four guys do you like? Right. There's some bullpen arms who could be moved. The Nationals have Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan. The Royals have Scott Barlow. They already traded the role Chapman. The Nationals have Jamer Candelario, too, uh, their third baseman. He's had a really good year, both offensively and defensively. I would think he's he would be moved to. I think the Red Sox are interesting because you have Justin Turner there, 
on the back nine. James Paxton, who's been great, but you know, when's the other shoe gonna drop with Paxton? I mean, the, the injury history is is not great. Uh, I could see him being moved. I, I, I think this you could sell high on Paxton, or do the Red Sox just run this out and like see how how far they can go? I, I just don't think they have the pitching depth. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Bayo's not going anywhere. He's been great. We yeah. talked earlier. You were pitching him preseason. You know the the relationship he has with Pedro Martinez, and he's become appointment viewing. To the point, I think he might be their staff ace right now, even with as well as Paxton has thrown. But yeah, the moment Paxton has a good season when he's healthy, you get to try to ship that. And even Kenley Jansen, right? I mean, three point two three ERA, one point three seven WHIP. He's got the saves, but. Um, He's not the Kenley. He, he used to be at one point the, the best or second best relief pitcher in baseball. He's a long way from that. A closer is an unneeded luxury for a team that isn't really a championship contender. The Red Sox are above 500 in the strength of their offense. They can't, they don't have, even in a crapshoot you know, playoffs structure that we have now, I just don't see how the Red Sox can go deep in the playoffs. So if I, if I were them, if, if they haven't moved Paxton or Jansen or at least one of those guys, probably Paxton will go. But I'd try to move Jansen too. And as you said, you know, Justin Turner in his late 30s, still a professional hitter. He'd be interesting to a contender. They should try to move any of these guys. And, and if they don't have – and you know, people aren't sure, you know, if Bloom is going to be the long-term GM here. I think it's a very important trade deadline for him. Yeah. Nick Pavetta, Adam Duvall, I can see it. You know, I can see those guys being attracted to a contender. Right. And the case with Duvall, uh, who you had that great interview with him a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's a shame. He got off to a, a fantastic start, got hurt. And since then, uh, Jaron Duran, who did not play well at all last year, has just been yeah. gangbusters. I, I mean, he had no, he, he lost his confidence last year. He looked like he'd never played center field before. He was striking out a ton. Now he's. He's on every pitch. He's running like crazy. Man, the guy's totally ripped, too. I think he eventually – he actually reminds me a little bit of Jacoby Ellsbury. I think he I know. eventually yeah, I see that. might fill out to be like a 15-20 home run guy. And and Ellsbury at peak, he was probably the MVP of 2011 if the Red Sox chicken and beer team doesn't spit the bit down the stretch and ultimately yeah. not make the playoffs. Remember that great final night of, of baseball mm-hmm. 2011, the best regular season day in baseball history as far as I'm concerned, even though the Red Sox found a way to, to screw up their playoff spot when they lost to Baltimore that night. Carl Crawford couldn't come up with a, a soft line drive. It would have been a great catch. But, uh, yeah, he Is that went Andino? Like, Robert Andino? I believe it was. It. Yeah. Yep, and remember the, the big comeback for the Rays, and then I think Longoria hit a home run over that tiny yeah. little like four-foot fence they have by the foul pole. All this stuff happened. A lot of times we think of like the NFL and you, you watch like Red Zone on, on a Sunday, you, you're at a sports bar and everything's happening in the same window. And baseball finally figured out, yeah, let's do that. Let's have all the games at the same time and let's have whip yeah. around coverage where all this stuff is moving up in, in real time. And that's just one day where everything fell into place where a bunch of games flipped late and comebacks and crazy plays. And, and uh, there's just incredible drama because usually baseball doesn't have, doesn't offer it. It's just too many yeah. games. A lot of things are settled by the final game of the season. A lot of times it's, you know, the, the starters aren't even in the lineup and all that. But that was one day where a, a bunch of stuff was in play. And it feels like so many different things were changing late in games. That oh, was great. It was, it was great. And that, that was like peak Twitter too. Uh, peak sports Twitter. Twitter. Uh, Is yeah. Twitter going to get traded at the deadline? You think? <laughs> Uh, man, we'll see if there's anybody that has the infrastructure to succeed with a new social media app. It's probably Meta slash Facebook. So I don't know. They, I they've talked, you know, Twitter's, Twitter's talked about retiring. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that Twitter is going to play into its twenties you know, and thirties. You know? uh, I think, I think Twitter I might know. retire at a young age. 
Twitter's, yeah. I think Twitter might be in the back nine, DJ. I, I agree. I, yeah. Oh. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Uh, so uh, this weekend, remember, uh, Sunday, MLB, a leadoff on Peacock from the San Francisco Bay to the banks of the Allegheny. The Giants face the Pirates once more in Pittsburgh. Both teams hope to move up in their divisions, but only one can rise on Sunday morning. Watch MLB Sunday leadoff live at 11.30 a.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. We're just talking about trades. It would be pretty interesting to see if the Pirates try to do a favor for Andrew McCutcheon and trade him to a you know World Series contender type team. Or does McCutcheon want to stay? I'm sure they'd probably leave it up to him. You know, But I'd be shocked if like this offseason McCutcheon just doesn't come back to the Pirates. Like I think he'll be back next year no matter what. There's a guy you could trade and get back, right? And yeah. um, I'd love to see him make the Hall of Fame. He's probably a borderline case right now. Yeah. One of my favorite news items of the year that probably got a little bit overshadowed. I know the Pirates got off to a hot start and they've come back to earth since then. But I was just so happy when they extended Brian Reynolds and they they made a commitment to like, okay, no more of this develop good player, trade good player, start over again, pocket the revenue sharing money. They're set up to be a legitimate contender. And they have a bunch of, you know, was eventually a new Cruz will come back who was kind of like Ellie Dilly Cruz before Ellie Dilly Cruz. <laughs> um, although, although not, you know, maybe he wasn't playing to quite the efficiency that Ellie is, has been, but you know, O'Neill Cruz yeah. is another guy who he, he looks bigger than everybody else. He identifies himself automatically and it's, it's just be great to get him back. I'm glad that Reynolds is in the long, the long haul here. They'll probably keep Bednar their closer. An interesting farm system, right? There, there are a couple yeah. of pieces. Maybe, maybe Brian Hayes is just going to be a league average player. He's not going to be the star they expected. But there's a lot of interesting pieces coming with Pittsburgh. Yep. Who knows? Maybe in, I don't. I don't want to say this. I'm not really full in on this comp, but maybe they could be kind of a poor man's version of what the Orioles are now, right? Where I mean, right. Baltimore just looks set up to be great for that. In fact, if I could buy stock, if I could buy stock in any American league team right now, I'd buy stock in the Orioles. I, I mean, they're, they're really good right now. And they're, they have the potential to be outstanding in like two years. I would love it if they got Lucas Giolito. Yeah. I mean, they need pitching. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is, is in the minors right now and he's had some good starts recently. I think the control kind of comes and goes. I, I don't think you want to put that on on his shoulders to, to come up in a pennant race and be a difference maker. I think you it's very clear what they need. They need a starting pitcher. They need a veteran in there, whether it's a Stroman or a Giolito. They get Eduardo Rodriguez back, which was originally there. an Oriole. Yeah, Stroman would be great. Yeah, yeah, Erod would be great. This may be hard overhead. I'm going to say it right now. The Orioles are going to win the AL East. In fact, I'm going to say, first of all, my prediction is Tampa Bay is not going to win the AL East. Okay. I, I just think too many like things it. have gone wrong. And pitching wise, yeah, Baltimore's coming, man. Baltimore yeah. last year they get a taste of it. This year they know they belong. I they have you know I think Rutschman is going to be an MVP in a couple of years. It's so exciting to have a player. I think Rutschman, not that Matt Weeders was ever a bad player, but I think Rutschman is the player Weeders was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the Orioles, man. They're such a fun story. They are super fun. It feels like every week they're calling up somebody. Uh, the A's actually have a couple of interesting calls, which have been reported. 
today on Wednesday, Tyler Soderstrom, uh, more of a catcher DH type, Zach Geloff, uh, primarily a second baseman. But, you know, if you're in a deeper kind of fantasy league, I think each of them are worth a look because they should get uh, some run here in the second half. We've seen Henry Davis come up with the Pirates, but uh, Quinn Priester, uh, pitching prospect, should get a look. Not really mixing league material for me quite yet, but certainly NL only streaming possibility. Andy, Andy Rodriguez, a catching prospect, we could see him very soon. I'm looking at these teams who are likely to trade some pieces as we get to the deadline. The Mets with Ronnie Mauricio, he's just torn the cover off the ball all season in the minors. There's just not a spot for him. Maybe we see Mark Vientos as well, so keep an eye on those guys. The Tigers, Colt Keith, uh, an infielder, second base, third base. He's tearing it up in the minors. I think we see him at some point uh, this summer. I don't know if the Reds have room for Christian Encarnacion Strand, but he's someone you should continue to keep an eye on. And the Brewers, they need some production in that lineup. Sal Frelick, he's going to get a chance sooner or later. Robert Gasser is a pitching prospect for them as well. He's very close, and I think he can help that rotation too. So we've seen a ton of prospects come up. But I still think there's going to be more in the second half that could be useful for fantasy managers. Do you view one of these? Who's the pound the table guy? I mean, if we if we were co-managing a team together and we had like a, an NA spot, who would be the one guy widely available? You'd be like, yeah, we got to get him. Uh, for me, it would be Christian Encarnacion Strand. He's just mm-hmm. an injury away from being a potential difference maker in mixed leagues down the stretch. Given the lineup and the home ballpark, he's the one guy I would go for. Sal Frelick, I just I don't think the category juice as far as like power is going to be there. I think he can hit for average and gives you some steals. Ronnie Mauricio, I'm not sure about the plate discipline, uh, so that'd be my big question there. Colt Keith, I'm not sure he's going to I'm not sure he's going to be up long enough to really make a difference, and I'm not sure I trust Grayson Rodriguez from start to start. Rookie pitchers, prospect pitchers, it's it's a crapshoot from start to start. You just don't know what you're going to get with those guys. So for me. It's Encarnacion Strand. I have him stashed in a couple of leagues at this very moment, um, just on the chance that he gets an opportunity. I'll mention one other player. He's he's not a call-up and he's not a rookie, but he's a young player. And I, I screwed up in a couple of leagues where this guy was available and I didn't realize it. Riley Green is finally back with the Tigers. and He just looks really, really good. Play disciplines there. His power is starting to fill out. And I know the Detroit lineup isn't very good, but Riley Green's going to be really fun to watch. I could see him being a top 20, top 25 outfielder the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about players who are up in the majors, no longer have that prospect status, who we could see kind of break out in the second half, another Tiger, Tarek Skubal. We've mentioned him as he's been rehabbing from a flexor, uh, a flexor injury surgery that he had last summer. The velocity is ticked up. Even in his starts back in the majors so far, I think he's only had two. Hasn't pitched super deep, but the stuff looks really good. I could see him really jumping on the radar here in the second half and be like sleeper material. Won't be sleeper for long, but going into next season, I think he'll have a lot of momentum. And they're addable. I mean, right now, school's about 52% roster in Yahoo, and Green's just creeping into the 60s. So if you're in shallow leagues, you might be able to add these guys. Scooble only eight innings in those two starts because they don't want to throw them into the you know, to the Wolves just yet, but two walks against 11 strikeouts, like getting a lot of swing and miss stuff. He eventually could be a number one. He's somebody, and I, and I realize they haven't had a lot of luck. You know, they, they got Casey Mize when they drafted him number one overall. He's been hurt, and you know, Manning has been hurt. I mean, their whole rotation. I, look, pitching, 
I think the Tom Verducci stat was that last year, I think 51% of all pitchers were on the disabled list or the injured list at some point, which is just crazy, but that's the yeah. way baseball is. Yeah. But I'd just like to see the Tigers get a break. And of course, Rodriguez, as you mentioned, has been hurt. He's the veteran of the staff and was pitching really well early in the year. Probably trade bait if he proves healthy. Yeah. If nothing else, even if you can't pick up Scooble or maybe you're in a league where it doesn't make sense to get him, just scout him because I think you're going to want to draft him next season. So you mentioned you're you're picking the Orioles to win the AL East. Let's let's go over current odds for uh, divisions, uh, and then we'll we'll talk about World Series a little bit as well as individual awards. So we'll start in the American League, uh, and we'll start in the AL East because you did mention that. So current favorite uh, the Rays are are minus two seventy five, the Orioles at plus four hundred, the Yankees are plus eleven hundred. So are the Blue Jays. I love that number for the Orioles. They are right on the heels of the race currently. And like you were saying, I, if the Orioles go out and get a starting pitcher, I think this is a, it's a gettable division. I think the Rays are, they're so, they're so pesky. They're, they're so persistent. I, I wouldn't rule them out, but like the Orioles are they're right there and they could get better. Right. I mean, Tampa Bay, they eat all their vegetables. They do so many little things right. They're very smartly run. They, they squeeze every amount of value out of every dollar they spend. But the Orioles are only two games back. And if you, so I, I'm saying you should try to, you can't bet the Rays at the number they're at, no. but you can bet the Orioles. And you, if you want a sleeper, because the Yankees aren't winning this division. And with that pitching staff, I don't see how the Red Sox would. The Blue Jays, man, their offense is a sleeping giant. Another Zinke uh, piece from today's column. I think they're 13th in runs, even though in some of the offensive metrics they're top 10. They're un- they've underachieved and probably some poor luck. And I realize the park has played pitching friendly when we thought it might be hitting friendly, but they still have all those interesting legacy pieces in the lineup. If they've fixed Alec Manoa, and who, who's to say they have? I, I realize he yeah. was probably the most destructive fantasy player you could have picked because he wasn't hurt, but he was going out and torching your ratios. But if they get him going again, Gossman is in the Cy Young race. Toronto's only seven games out. I, again, I'm picking yeah. the Orioles, but I'm mostly I'm saying here, bet against the Rays. You can't bet them at that number. Baltimore would be a chalky way to, to take down Tampa Bay, but maybe Toronto's not too far out to make a run. Yeah, I, I think the Orioles are the they're the sprinkle team. Um, if it works out, great. Uh, but certainly you're not betting on the on the race at that number. AL Central Twins are the slight favorites, uh, minus one sixty. The Guardians are plus one forty. Uh, I I really don't know what to think here, and I also am not sure that whoever wins that division is going to have a winning record at this moment. Honestly, yeah, man. That. The White Sox should be ashamed of themselves that they're behind that Tigers roster, but they are. The Tigers, they know they're not in it. The White Sox are going to start selling pieces any minute now. The thing with the, the Twins and the Guardians, I'm always surprised when the Guardians score four runs, and I'm never surprised when one of the Twins gets hurt. Even just DHing yeah. Byron Buxton hasn't kept him healthy. Carlos Correa hasn't looked right all season. The guard, if the Guardians could just get one piece, just something to make their lineup a little bit longer and deeper – because it just feels like they have a bunch of guys who put the ball in play and, and hit, you know, they slug 370. It just feels like their whole team is like that, except for Jose Ramirez. I don't know what's what's happened to Josh Bell, who I thought was a great ad for them, and he hasn't looked anything like the player I remember. But here they are. They're basically, they're basically effectively in the tie right now. They're, they're actually, a, I guess, a half game ahead of the Twins right now. So 
And we know they're pitching. Talk about a team that it seems like they're calling up a great pitcher every few weeks, right? They have a great young pitching staff. I don't know if they'll get anything out of Tristan McKenzie, but what if they do? I'm gonna pick the I'm gonna pick the Guardians. I just feel yeah, like some, something's gonna go wrong. Something's gonna go wrong with the Twins. There's a black cat in that stadium. I don't. I know it's not a, a very sabermetric friendly uh, reason here. We try to be smart on this podcast, but I just feel like the, all the Guardians need, like you talked about, like maybe Tommy Pham getting getting traded. T- Tommy Pham would look like Manny Ramirez on the Guardians. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, or Ricky Henderson. That's he a would, great call. Yeah. That would be a great fit. I immediately put him in the leadoff or second spot, and he would make this team a lot better. I, th- I, I, I presume he's healthy. I know he's a little bit dinged up right now, but that's the type of guy that Cleveland should be trying to acquire. Yeah, I like that. Bellinger or fam, really. Um, with I love Bellinger, the, too, sure. With the AL West, the Rangers are the slight favorites. Uh, minus 105, the Astros are plus 105. The Mariners are plus 1,100. Disappointing year for the Mariners uh, so far. Can the Astros chase down the Rangers? I believe in the Rangers. The depth of that lineup, one through nine. And I think the Astros, I'll be careful with this comp. They're kind of like the poverty level Yankees in that you take Alvarez out of their lineup and it just doesn't look that dangerous anymore. Alex Bregman is kind of just a guy right now. Altuve's on the back nine. They have a lot of, obviously, Kyle Tucker is still a star, although Dusty Baker Never been a lineup slot low in the order that he didn't want to put Kyle Tucker in. I'll never understand that. <clears throat> yeah. I feel like this that lineup gets thin really quick. There's like there, you get like an inning off every once in a while with the Astros, which you never did before in the past, where they would work deep in counts. Obviously, they were, had they were really skilled hitters and they were doing some other stuff too. The Rangers just no break in their lineup. Their seven, eight, nine yeah. hitters would be top five hitters on a lot of other teams. Yeah, uh, Guardians. <laughs> yeah. They, they probably have the best lineup in, in – I think only the Braves have a better lineup than the Rangers, and the stats certainly bail it out, uh, bear that out. I think the Rangers have led the league. The Rangers have scoring most of the season, but it doesn't look fluky to me. No. Young might be the rookie of the year. If they can just keep yep. Seager healthy, Marcus Simeon's such a good player. They have a hitting catcher that so many teams don't have. Yep. And shockingly, I would have thought if you told me that – Jacob DeGrom would make six starts. I'd be like, well, there's a kill shot. You know, okay, good luck with, you know, asking Evaldi to be an ace. Well, guess what? He's in the Cy Young discussion. Good luck yeah. getting John Gray to be like a top three starter. Well, guess what? He's having that season we've waited forever for John Gray to have. Finally, a, a few years removed from Colorado and healthy. I think he's had Tommy John surgery at least once. I mean, this is finally the year that John Gray we waited forever have. And I stopped, I stopped waiting for it. I gave up on it. Dane Dunning, I, I don't know. Is that pixie dust eventually? We're off. I'm starting to think he's just going to be good all season. I, the Rangers are going to win the AL West. I actually feel fairly confident about that. We can also feel confident about the Braves winning the NL East. Yes, sir. Uh, the line on the Braves to win the NL East is minus 10,000 right now, which I feel like I've never seen. Wow. That is that is a thing. Uh, NL Central, let's, let's get there. It's a bit more interesting. So the Brewers are the current favorites at plus 100. The Reds are plus 125. How do we feel about that? I actually, I had a ticket on the Reds to win the NL Central a couple of months ago. And it was you were pitching eight. it when they were like 11 to 1 or 10 to 1 or 7 yeah. to 1. You get a good price I, on it. I already cashed it out. <laughs> because man. The, nu- the number was so good of for being offered to cash out, I just took it. Because it was like, if they win it, like the, the difference wouldn't even have been that substantial. That's how much value. I gained in that time, but I still think this number is really nice for the Reds at plus 125. 
Yeah, it's a two-team race, right? The Cardinals are going to sell. The Cubs are going to sell. The Pirates know they're a year away. All the Reds need is some luck with their starting pitching, with the health of it, or maybe some guys to step up. Another team I would love to see Giolito get traded to, Stroman, or any of the Cubs starters, really, because the Reds lineup is another lineup that just keeps coming at you. And, you know, Spencer Steers had such a nice season. It's overshadowed by some of the other young players in baseball, but he's been really good. They have a catcher who can hit. They have people who can run. They have power. Joey Votto still has something left, and wouldn't it be fun? We talk about Trout not having playoff moments. Wouldn't it just be fun to see Joey Votto in the playoffs again and maybe have one more signature moment? I think he's also a Hall of Famer in my book and, and just a, a guy you just – it's just cool to have Joey Votto around. He's just um, a player who gets it, a cerebral player and, and a guy who's, who's always been fun to watch. So I'm invested. Maybe it's, it's hard overhead, but I think the Reds certainly have a better lineup. And yeah. the Brewers – Joe Sheehan always talks about this. Craig Council is a wizard with bullpen management, but at some point that stuff kind of runs out. They've had a couple of guys, I think, maybe pitching over their skis in that bullpen. And relievers are like French fries. They're great when they're warm, but then when they go cold, they can be really gross and you have to throw them out. I mean, I, I don't mean I to, love it. To, to, to be dismissive <laughs> like that. I think I'm actually parroting that from Mike Selfino at the French fry reliever line, but it's a great line if it you're is. out there, Selfino, my old podcast <clears throat> partner. But Eventually, I think the council's luck runs out. I th- the Reds just have a better lineup to me. And and I don't think the Brewers – have you figured out what's wrong with Corbin Burns? I haven't. But he hasn't looked like an ace all season. He's looked like a number three all year. If the Reds can just get one reliable pitcher in this rotation, they really haven't had it. And, and of course, they have, they have a knockout bullpen too, including one of the best closers in baseball. At this point, I'd actually be surprised. And maybe I'm getting caught up in the moment because the Reds are on such a heater right now. But I think they're going to win this division by five or six games. Yeah, I mean, I think if Brandon Woodruff can come back for the Brewers and be what he's capable of being, you know, an ace, uh, a co-ace, I think that makes a huge difference for this for sure. Brewers team down the stretch run. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, he's making his way back slowly. I, I wouldn't expect to see him until early August at the earliest, That it, you know, because he'll have to essentially ramp, ramp up like at spring training, uh, basically. But he, he could really help, uh, I'll, you know, kind of offset a lineup which isn't isn't great as we've said um nl west dodgers the favorites right now uh at minus 275 diamondbacks a trendy team we've talked a little bit about they are plus 375 i mean you're not going to bet on the dodgers here it's kind of like the orioles raise thing if you're going to bet on you're going to bet on the diamondbacks obviously um so I guess the question is, would you rather bet on the Orioles to win the AL East or would you bet on the Diamondbacks to win the NL West? The Orioles. The, yeah. the Dodgers have, a, I think, a better roster than the Diamondbacks. I really respect Arizona. They have a couple of – it hurt that Kelly got hurt because they had they could yeah. throw out a couple of starters in him and in Gallon, who, who may be the Cy Young Award winner in the National League, although Snell will have something to say about that. And the producer Adam mentions uh, Snell's allowed three earned runs since May, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I don't get? Explain this to me, DJ, or if anybody listening, if you're still on Twitter, you explain it to me. How the heck are the Giants 49 and 41? What is good about that team? I, I don't get it. I, I don't. I, mean, I know Estrada's had a nice season. He's hurt now. He's going to probably be out several weeks. But I mean, he's not like having an MVP contention season. They, they've added some pieces that have kind of worked out. I, I, a lot of their pitchers looked interesting to me before the season, and, and really only one of them has worked out. Yeah, I, Alex Cobb's been great. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I don't get it. If if you told me 
In, in fact, I have to look at the standings and see them at 49 and 41 to remember they're 49 and 41. If at any point during the season you just said to me, oh, well, how are the Giants doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, a couple games below 500. They're competitive, but they're going nowhere. I don't, right. I don't understand. I feel like I've missed something. What, what's the special sauce here? Kind of, their bullpen's fantastic. Yes. They are a platoon team. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr.'s had a great year. Yep. But they really haven't, like, they signed Conforto. He's been okay. Jack Peterson's been on the injured list a couple of times. So, you know, I think you're right. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of a couple of years ago with the Giants when they won, what, 106 games? And you're kind of like, how? How? Like, the Buster Posey had a great year. Brandon Crawford turned back the clock, too. But it was, like, really hard to figure out how they won that many games. Like, it just didn't make sense. Um but the Giants' bullpen is locked down great. Camila Duvall, the Rodgers twins there uh, in the late innings. And they, kind of like the Rays, like they know how to piece together a lineup, even with less than quality pieces, whereas mm-hmm. the Rays, like there's guys day in and day out at this point who will be in the lineup, Aris Arena, Wanda Franco, guys like that. The Giants don't have that. Patrick Bailey has been a great call-up for the Giants too. We haven't really mentioned him as far as like call-ups are concerned, but he's been great since coming up. Um, really good behind the plate too. For so long, we talked about Joey Bart was the catcher of the future for the Giants, but Bailey has surpassed him and looking like the real deal. I don't, I don't think the Giants would keep it up, especially uh, with their injury uh, that you mentioned to the to their shortstop uh, uh, strata. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't really see this continuing. But hey, kudos, especially. After you remember, the, the Giants tried to sign Aaron Judge. That didn't work out. They tried to sign Carlos Correa moments before the press conference, the introductory press conference. They pulled it out of that one. They ended up going kind of cheaper. They signed Conforto. They signed Tyler Rogers. Like, not really splashy stuff, but it's working for them so far. Yeah, I want to be fair. Actually, Cobb and Webb have actually both been really good in the rotation. It's been the other guys who haven't worked out. But you look at their offense, I guess – the, the face of this team is the guys like Lamont Wade, um, Jock Peterson, J.D. Davis, guys who all have – J.D. Davis has been great, yeah. You know, OPS Plus is 120. What, with Wade, it's 132. As you said, they they get they squeeze the orange a lot with the platoons. They, they get on base. They have a lot of guys with really good OBPs. You, you know, Wade's a 275, 404, 438 guy, OPS Plus of 132. and. You know, a, a lot of people right. probably couldn't pick him out of a lineup. J.D. Davis bounced around, you know, had one good year, I think, with the Mets, and they decided mm-hmm. he really wasn't a starter. You know, he's having yep. 277, 350, 450 year. That's been great. One of those guys that I, we roster him in one of my leagues, and we're never really sure if we should play him. We're never really sure if he's actually worth cutting, if we find somebody interesting. And we ultimately end up keeping him. I don't know that we have him in the lineup all the time when we should. And one of the things that's frustrating with teams that are heavy on platoons, not that Davis is that big of a deal with the platoon guys, but you're going to have weeks where they don't play every day. And so it's yeah. like, oh, okay, you know, we needed you to do something on Sunday, Davis, and you took zeros. But uh, the Giants, maybe maybe they're like the poor man's race. Maybe the, their money just goes further, and they're smarter than other teams, even though – and as you said, they tried to spend it. They went after Judge. They did sign Correa. That didn't work out but they've done a really good job in the secondary and tertiary market with some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, Hey, all the credit in the world to kind of how they've rebounded from an off season. That was certainly frustrating uh, for their fan base. And I think what's interesting about the giants too, back to back years. Now they've taken two way pitcher or two way players in the draft. Their first round pick this year 
Bryce Eldridge sure. out of high school, but he's a right-handed pitcher, first baseman. He's got the goods, and I think the Giants are the kind of team who will let this let this go. Like, let's see how far we can take this uh, with a talent like this. So, yeah, the Giants are they're doing some smart things, and, and their, their infrastructure is Zadie, the, the president. And, and also, I want to admit that when Gabe Kapler first came up as a manager, some of his creativeness in the relief jockeying was a little bit frustrating to me. But I actually, I've I've seen the light. Gabe Kapler, not that the managers win games on their own. You need to have players, of course, and you need to have the opportunity to to win games. But he's a good manager. And I, I think we're. I, I'm finally starting to accept that, that he's a part of their special sauce as well. So should we make World Series picks here? I mean, I'll just briefly mention. So Braves are the favorites currently, plus 350. The Rays at plus 500. The Dodgers plus 550. Astros at plus 800. Rangers plus 1,000 Yankees at plus 1,500. Uh, not sure where the Orioles are on this, but uh, rule them out. Blue Jays, if they get in the postseason with uh, the top of their rotation, I think they should be taken seriously. The Orioles at plus 2,500. I think they're not a bad buy. And if the Phillies could get into the playoffs again at plus 2,500, they look like a pretty good value too. Yeah, Philly's a team I don't think will make the playoffs, but would be really dangerous because they can tell themselves a story where they'd have the better starting pitching than a lot of opponents. Exactly like last year, basically. Right, right. There you go. Where you know they didn't even win their division, they sneak in and then they get to the World Series. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Braves and Rangers. Although I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's the Braves and Rays, the Braves and and Orioles would be really fun. Like you, I think the teams in the Central are going to get eliminated pretty quickly. At least the AL Central and, and probably the NL Central too. Maybe the the Reds. Or the Brewers are a year away from being anything significant. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Braves are going to win the World Series, uh, and I think it's going to be Braves over the Rangers in six. Yeah, I think the Braves are far and away the best team. Does that always matter in the postseason? Not necessarily. Uh, I don't want to go chalk. So let's let's. Uh, I don't think the Rangers pitching is good enough either. So I'm going to go Ranger or no? I'm going to go Braves. I'm going to go Braves-Blue Jays. The Blue Jays get in with their pitching, with that lineup comes together. There we go, Braves-Blue Jays. But I think the Braves are far and away the best team. Yeah, that was – my alarm was going off. That was the wake-up call for the Blue Jays to have a, a bang. <laughs> half. And, and man, I, I'll tell you, Toronto is a team you don't want to play them, man. No. You know, Gossman is such – talk about a guy. Remember when Baltimore for years couldn't get a starting pitcher to – to flourish yeah. under their regime. And it's one of those things where it's like, you'll get, remember like everybody who left Pittsburgh got better. It seemed like, and everybody who left right. Baltimore got better. It seemed like right. um, what, what would Kevin Gosman look like on the Orioles now, but uh, he was so much fun to watch. I mentioned I was at that no hitter on Saturday. Gaussman was pitching for the Jays that day too. And he's just really fun to watch. He's, he's got the kind of funky rotation with that big kick and he's got, he's got a swagger to himself as well. I, I would love to see the Jays. They so many young players. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, home run derby champion. Just yep. a place. He, I mean, he was Ellie De La Cruz before Ellie De La Cruz, just a guy everybody was in love with. He's always get that bounce in his step. And the Jays are filled with guys like that. Bo Bichette's like that. You know, the, the yep. whole lineup is, is filled in. George Springer has been a guy we've seen have playoff moments before. So um, I think the actually, actually think the AL East will get three teams in the playoffs, and it's not going to be yeah. the, the two big kids we're used to. It's not going to be the Yankees or the Red Sox. It's going to be the three other teams. So let's talk about NL award winners. So right now Acuna is the favorite for the NL MVP, as he should be at minus 350. Mookie Betts at plus 600. Freddie Freeman at plus 1,200. There's your top three. 
at the moment. Can you see Betts or Freeman chasing down Acuna, or is this his award? We talked about earlier. This is what Acuna's doing is historic right now. I, I feel like it's going to be difficult to pass him. I think Acuna is really close that even an injury wouldn't derail him. If he got hurt tomorrow, and God, I hope he doesn't, I, I, maybe that's enough to take him <clears> off <throat> the award. But other than that, much like Otani in the American League, it's just an award. It's just an injury thing. That's the only thing you're betting on here. And the other problem with the Dodgers is they don't have an overwhelming dominant guy. It could be Betts. It could be Freeman. That makes them unbettable at their current global odds. Right, right. The yeah. sleeper to me, and again, Acuna would have to get hurt for this to happen. But what if Acuna got hurt and the Diamondbacks won the NL West? Then Corbin Carroll becomes a plausible winner. Yep, I agree. And Carroll is the favorite for the NL Rookie of the Year right now at uh, uh, minus 300. Ellie De La Cruz at plus 275. He is uh, the runner-up right now, which is pretty amazing because he's only been up for like a month. <laughs> but he's jumped everybody else in the National League, which I guess, I guess makes sense. That's fine. Maybe... You know, he gets the news headlines down the stretch, but I think it's Corbin Carroll's award to lose. Uh, his teammate, Zach Allen, is the favorite for the NL Cy Young Award, but it's very, very close. Uh, so Zach Allen is at plus 240, which is basically telling me it's wide open. Clayton Kershaw at plus 325. Spencer Strider at plus 400. I think the Dodgers are going to be careful. If, if they have this division lead, I, I don't think they're going to push Kershaw, obviously. The Braves have a huge division lead. We already mentioned that. I don't think they're going to push Strider. I think the Diamondbacks are going to be putting pedal to the metal here. I think it's probably Gallon's award to lose, but it is certainly wide open. Yeah, I actually don't think Gallon's a bad price. And if you want to go a little bit deeper, I mentioned that Blake Snell had, had really gotten his game going. So I think he's an interesting long shot. With Kershaw, we knew that an IL spot was probably inevitable for him. The Dodgers always are really careful with his innings, and he's already thrown 95 innings. I think that's more innings than they wanted him to have at the All-Star break. I, I think Kershaw maybe throws 45 or 50 more innings the rest of the season, which will probably keep him from winning the award. Uh, yeah, between Gallon, I mean, this is totally cheating, but between Gallon, Strider, and Snell, I feel pretty confident one of those guys will win, and I have no problem betting Gallon at the odds currently presented. Yeah, that's a, that's a really nice number, actually. Uh, so Otani, I mean, it's like Otani versus the field, basically, for AL for MVP. Sure. Otani is at uh, minus 750. You're not betting on that. Corey Seager is at plus 1,600. Uh, so let's say Otani gets hurt. Maybe Seager has a chance here. Uh, Franco, Rosarena, Marcus Semien, Bo Bichette, all at uh, 3,300. Uh, if I had you know. to bet anybody else, I'd, and I know I've been kind of talking down Tampa Bay, but if I had to bet somebody not Otani, I would bet Franco or Rosarena. Yeah, I agree. So AL Cy Young Award is really interesting. I think this is wide open, too. Framber Valdez is a favorite, plus 200. You mentioned him the other day. I mentioned Garrett Cole. He's a plus 300, so they're very close. Kevin Gossman, plus 350. Uh, we were just talking about him and, and the good year he's had. Shane McClanahan recently got hurt. Uh, he's a plus 800. We kind of made our picks the other day. I think you like Valdez. I like Cole. Uh, but I wouldn't rely on Gossman either, and he's probably the guy you'd want to – you'd want to bet on here if you wanted to sprinkle, I think. Well, fascinating thing about Cole is, and then I, I, I always throw this trivia question out. And I, I know I've asked it on this show before. Adam Wainwright is the pitcher, the, who has the most all time Cy Young win shares without a Cy Young, but Cole is right behind him. If Cole right. doesn't win this year, but gets um, a fair amount of voting support, which he, I would think he would, he would pass Wainwright. He'd be the new answer to this question. But what I think is going yeah. to happen 
is if, and, and look, Valdez is terrific. And um, you, you mentioned, um, I'm trying to the other guys we, we were looking at. Kirby's had a really nice season. Zach Eflin's been really good. Avaldi's been shockingly um, a linchpin for that Texas team after they lost to Grom. But the Gossman also, Gossman's the other guy I couldn't think of. If Cole is basically even with any of these guys, I think he's going to get the Lifetime Achievement Award. It's going to be one of these, you know, Garrett Cole's never won this. At some point, we have to give Garrett Cole a Cy Young. So I feel like Cole's going to win any tie if he if it's basically effectively a tie. So AL Rookie of the Year, uh, Josh Young, who's been great. He is the favorite currently, plus 125, was the starter in the All-Star game. Uh, Yoshida with the Red Sox, he's a plus 275, had a lot of early momentum on uh, the first part of the season, has had a good year. Gunnar Henderson has been coming on strong recently. He's at plus 300. If he can keep this going in the second half, the Orioles win the AL East, what have you. Uh, this could end up being a good number for Henderson, but I like all three of these guys, and I think this shows in the numbers is, is far from over. For sure. I, I do think Young certainly has the leg up. That's why he's the favorite. You know, Henderson had that month where he couldn't hit. And the thing with Yoshida is there's going to be some voters who are going to say, well, wait a minute, the Japanese baseball is a professional league. So I I think some people, and it's not that people have anything against Japanese players. It's actually a a nod of respect to how good Japanese baseball is. So some people feel like those guys shouldn't win rookie of the year awards. So I don't think, I think it'd be hard for Yoshida to win it. Um, My money's on young, but it's been really fun to watch Henderson spread his wings. Uh, Cause again, he, he couldn't hit water, fell off a boat for about a month, but he's been white hot since then and that that team man i i'm in love with the orioles as, as i've said yeah. pretty much the last hour i think yeah i think when, when i think when i'm done with the show i'm gonna put some money on the orioles and put some money on zach allen which i already did before the season i might do it again and i might do it on gunner henderson here too i i, I like all three of those uh values uh what was, what, what was cole again for the sign cole is plus 300 for the sign yeah, because I also think he's the type of guy that even if they fall out of contention would want to pitch anyway. So I don't think that's ever going to hurt him. I, I would actually think that's a good bet on Cole, too. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so lots of good stuff for you guys as, as we dig into the second half here. Uh, you know, it's a quiet couple of days in baseball, but sometimes you need that. Like, take some time to look at your roster, especially if you're close to contention. Like, what can I add here to put me over the top? Uh, it's a good time to take a take a break, take a breather. Uh, and evaluate your roster and also football season training camp right around the corner Roto World football draft guide went live on Roto World uh, today uh, so definitely go check that out lots of exclusive content will get you ready uh, for fantasy football draft season you can use, use draft 2023 for uh, code draft 2023 for 20% off your draft guide uh, so check that out today. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, Tony Pollard on the cover for our magazine this year, by the way. Nice. Um, nice. Love him. I, I think I already asked you this. Um, and I know we're way over on time, but whatever. Another minute won't hurt. Are you a Commanders fan? Is that your football team? I, I am, yes. I okay. am a Commanders fan, yes. Uh, more of an observer. Uh, I, I fan, you know, now that there's no Daniel Snyder, I think I can go back to being a fan. For sure. Know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, getting one of the least admirable owners we've ever had in any sport. I mean, it's just been well, and then a bombshell article dropped today about some stuff going yeah. on in the NFL that involves Snyder. That was a page Turner. You know, I think I spent 15 minutes sorting through that. 
and yeah. uh, certainly a, a rock you pull you, un, you uncover that rock there's a, a lot of underbelly there but oh i'm i'm sure as he gets further removed from things we're going to hear more and more <laughs> now that people feel safe to talk uh about some of the stuff that went on there but uh, you know, I think the commanders have a really fun roster. Uh, I love Terry McLaurin is just class and he's great. He, he deserves the bigger stage and, you know, we'll see what happens with Sam Howell this year as their, their quarterback. I hope they commit to him and let him, let him run. But, you know, Jacoby Brissett's there who they signed during the off season. Uh, draft, I, I, draft Jahan Dots. I, by the way, I love Terry yeah. McLaurin. He's been one of my favorite players and a player I've been overweight on every year. And it's, it's been a little bit frustrating because the touchdowns generally are not commensurate with McLaurin's talent. It's never been his fault. He just hasn't right. had great quarterback play. Right. But, man, Dots, I'm really impressed. I'm not saying Dotson's better than McLaurin. They're, they complement each other. They're different types of yeah. guys. But I think Dotson has a profile where I could see him maybe having a 10 or 11 touchdown season. Yeah. And perhaps McLaurin, and, and, unless the quarterback, and Sam Howell is like one of the most underrated players we've ever seen, and he ends up sprouting his wings. Who knows? Maybe he will. But it's going to be a fun team. They have a lot of skill talent that's interesting. Hopefully Chase Young yeah. is healthy this year. I think Ron right. Rivera was the right guy to hire a few years ago to yeah. change that culture there. So I think they'll be a fun competitive team. I don't think yeah. they have a, a ton of upside, but no. there's going to be days where Dotson and McLaurin are, are going to make you happy at the end of the day in the box score. Their schedule is brutal. Um, I think if they won six games this year, I'd be thrilled. Like I just, I, I don't think that's necessarily you know an indictment on their talent. I just the schedule is just really one of one of the most difficult. In the, the divisions in it, you know what the other three teams all made the playoffs last year, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we are, we're getting close to training camp. We're still all baseball all the time here, but, uh, you know, my, my colleagues here at Rotor World did a fantastic job with this draft guide. So definitely check it out. The second half of the season will be here before we know it for major league baseball, lots of exciting storylines, as we mentioned here, hope you got something out of the show today. Remember to subscribe to circling the bases, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple podcast, Apple podcast, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I believe you have your Threads account linked from your Twitter page. I'm at DJ Short on both Twitter and Threads. Come join me over there on Threads. I'm feeling a little lonely. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time.